Amen. Listen, we could just go home. Like, I can sit all day and watch. I'm going to put this down here because I don't need it anymore. Uh, People going public with their faith, celebrating their new life in Christ, publicly letting the world know that I'm going to follow Jesus. I love what I get to do. I love where I get to do it. I love that GT is a place uh, that loves the next generation and believes in the next generation enough to invest in the next generation. I just want to say, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Pastor Scott. I'm one of the student ministries. I'm the other student ministries pastor here. Pastor Luke said he's one of them earlier. And so I get to work alongside Luke, and we have a great team. Pastor Brandon out at GT North. Um, I love that, and I, I try to say this as often as I can from this stage. I teach our students on a, as often as I can that we sit in someone else's sacrifice. And so we, we don't take that lightly at our end of the building, uh, we realize and acknowledge that we, we literally, if you've been here long enough at GT, if you know, you know, we literally sit in your sacrifice because some of you have bought the purple chairs that we sit in. And if you're old enough to know, I try every year at budget time to get rid of the purple chairs because they're purple, but apparently it's, uh, okay, it's a lot of money, I know, but um, I love what we get to do. I love that we get to invest in the next generation. I love that I'm not the only one who invests in the next generation. I love that there are a team of adult volunteers who come alongside our students week in and week out and are there for the highs and the lows. And some of the loudest voices you heard cheering students popping up out of the tank were their small group leaders from GTSM. And in fact, we have three small group leaders, Jess and Mike and Joel, and I can't look at them or I'll cry as the youth pastor, um, who... The class of 2022 from GTSM, they have been walking with this class since they were in the fourth grade. Let me just, let me see if you understand what that means. That means in the fourth grade, two guys and one leading our church said, I I want to invest in the next generation. I want to say yes to the call to be able to invest. And they walk through, and and I've had multiple conversations with you, it's like, this day will come. Uh, Jess asked me before service, she's like, there's no tissues up here. I said, don't worry, I got you. We found her a box, you know. But we have, I love that we have people in our church that walk alongside our students, that invest in them in the long haul, that realize that graduation isn't the finish line, it's a launching point. And I just love what we, what I get to do. I love that Next week, we celebrate Moving Update. This is like shameless announcement plug time in the message. And so next week is Moving Update. That means all of our students move up a grade. So by the way, if you're the parent of a young child in elementary, you may be, your kids may be in a new room next week because next week is Moving Update, which means next week we welcome in our new fresh class of seventh graders. I got to spend some time with them last week. We've been investing in them in our preteen ministry over the last year since we launched that to be ready for this day next week. I love that next Sunday night, we have family summer kickoff event here at the church. And here's what that means if you have kids. Um, We will have programming that day for kids in preschool and elementary school and preteen and student ministries. Separate programming next Sunday night from 6 to 8 o'clock, a summer kickoff event for them. And then what I told my students last week is that we're going to provide adult care for their parents. So you know how like, you know how you guys go to a class and you ask, is there child care for my kids while I'm here? Yes, but you are in adult care. So, uh, and what's happening for adults next week, I'm really excited. Pastor Scott Kramer, uh, myself, and Candy, our kids director, the three of us are going to be teaching a parenting class and talk about what does it look like to parent this next generation. And, and all the while, kids are going to be playing on inflatables, and we've got popcorn, and we've got... Uh, Kona Ice coming and Mr. Softy's coming and it's all free because we want to invest in a family. I love that we get to be a part of a church that does that. I also love that as a church, we think strategically and today is a really cool day in our church because today we are kicking off uh, a, a, an eight week, eight or nine week, I'm sorry, I'm not even sure, a multi-week series, let's put it that way, right? On the fruit of the spirit. It's eight weeks in here, yeah, right? Eight weeks, yeah. Okay, an eight-week series on the fruit of the Spirit, and here's what's really cool about it. Today, we're going to talk about the first fruit of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians chapter 5. And maybe you're sitting and you go, oh, fruit of the Spirit, great, I've heard it before. But let me tell you what's really cool. Watch this right now. I might start crying on this too. In our preschool classrooms, they're learning about love. 
In our two-year-old classroom, they're learning about love today. In our elementary school, they're learning about love today. In pre-10, they're learning about love today. Our students are here. We're going to talk about love today. For the next eight weeks, every week when you go home from church and you're driving home with your kids and you ask them what they learned, you will literally be able to say, me too. And not just, listen, listen to how cool this is. Like, we're talking about strategic kingdom thinking and making an impact that lasts forever. Like, and not just, yeah, we talked about the Bible. Or, you know, or maybe it's the, I, I tell our students all the time, you know, there's like, in youth ministry, there's always two, like, answers you can give when someone asks a question in church and youth ministry. Jesus, peer pressure. Like, you just say either one of those and 90% of the time, you're right, right? And so you're going to be able to say, what'd you learn? And they're going to say, next week, they're going to say, we learned about joy. And you're going to say, we did too. How cool is that? And in fact, if you're here and you're a book reader and you want to take some time this summer and dig in a little deeper with us with what we're talking about from our worship center stage, we've purchased and got a couple books in, that will be in scrolls for sale. One of them is called The Fruit of the Spirit by Tom Trask and Wade Goodall. The other one is called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, Growing in Christlikeness by Christopher J. Wright. Um, these, both these books will be available in scrolls and our speakers and communicators will be talking about them, touching base on them all summer long. So we just wanted to put some resources in your hand to help you as we kind of travel through this summer together. And so, fruit of the Spirit, we're going to kick off the first week today. And it comes, it's found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And a guy named Paul is teaching, he's actually writing a letter to churches in Galatia. And the background is he's really ticked off. He's really ticked off because people are coming in and telling people how they have to live in order to follow Jesus. In other words, in order to follow Jesus, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And none of it is what is actually like what following Jesus is all about. And so, so then he goes on in Matthew, in, in Matthew, excuse me, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Now, the first word of verse 22 is the word but. Now, every time I teach in our student ministries and I try to bring up like English or grammar or anything that remotely has to do with school, there's like a collective groan in the room. It's really weird. It's like, it's, it, I almost feel like saying, guys, it's not like you're not in this learning mode five days a week already. Just help me out, right? But the first word is the word but. Now, here's the thing about the word but. It's a conjunction. It ties two phrases together. So in order to fully understand what this verse means when we talk about but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on and so on, you actually have to look at what's before it. So what's before it in Galatians chapter 5? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, before it, in verse 16, Paul says, verse 16, Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he goes on to talk about that a minute. And then in verse 19, he says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So basically, he gives this laundry list of really, really bad things. Then he goes and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? But the what? The fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's what's interesting about fruit. Now, first of all, for those who know me, uh, you know that I know nothing about growing anything. Like, I am the furthest thing. We have really good friends. They were here last service, Travis and Lisa. They are, he's, he's been a farmer his whole life. At, at one point, Lisa stopped me and she's like, do you like want to become a farmer? Because I ask so many questions because it is so foreign to anything I've ever been a part of, right? And, but I want to talk about fruit for just a second. Now, last week, um, if you were here, Pastor Scott Kramer had an unbelievable message last week about, about the difference in the war that happens between sin and the cross. And he used an apple to kind of display you're nodding your head if you've seen this before. If not, you should go back this week on YouTube. Shameless plug, GT Church Online on YouTube. Find us, watch it. It's a great message. And he used an apple to demonstrate and show that sin is always in our lives. And we have to separate ourselves from that sin. 
But I want to I want to talk about today, and I want to kind of add to that a little bit today to think to, to just kind of present the fact that maybe just maybe God might use that very thing that was a, that was hard for you, that very thing that was a struggle for you. He might use it to make a difference for everybody around you. We'll get there in a minute. Let me get there. But before we do that, let's talk about fruit for a second. So fruit is obviously it's a sweet and fleshy product of a tree or other plant that contains seeds. And can, and can be eaten as food. By the way, uh, if, if you ever know a preacher, the very first thing they always do is they look something up in the dictionary. And then they tell you the definition. I'm just giving away all our trade secrets today, okay? Then they try to put a few funny jokes in there, at least if you're me, and hopefully people laugh, and hopefully you say something that matters for, the, for eternity. Like, that's the dream, that's the goal. And so, uh, we're talking about this idea of fruit, but here's the thing about fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. Now, and, I, and I'll be fair, I will acknowledge my lack of knowledge when it comes to, to fruit or trees or anything like it, right? Because if I walk by a tree, the only way I know it's an apple tree is if there's an apple hanging on it. Like, I can't tell it's an apple tree if there's nothing hanging on it. In fact, a couple years ago, we were in Michigan for a missions trip, and a team of us were clearing this field for this, like, sustainability project, and there's this, the host guy who was there hosting us, and the only way I could describe, best way to describe it is he looked like a lumberjack, like just big, big beard, scary looking dude, and he's trying to walking us through how to clear this thing, but we're not supposed to clear the apple trees. Like he has 15-year-old kids in work gloves ripping out brush, and he comes by the brush pile, and he's like, oh, that's an apple tree, dude. It was a stick with a leaf. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, oh. And he's like, that's an apple tree. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not. But again, that's a stick with a leaf, right? And so it's this idea, I don't know much, but I do know that a tree is known by its fruit. And in order to get good fruit, you need to have a good tree, okay? In fact, Jesus said it this way. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, he said, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Like, this is the ultimate, like, duh moment Jesus shares. Right? Of course this makes sense, right? And then in verse 20, he says, yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit, and so you can identify people by their actions. Yeah. And so what's in, what's amazing to me about fruit, though, is that, first of all, you can tell a tree is good by its fruit. The other thing that's interesting about fruit to me is, Fruit is not something you make overnight, nor can you actually make it good. You can't. You can't make a good apple. You can plant an apple tree. You can water that seed. You can plant an apple seed, actually, right? So originally, I had this plan for this illustration that I, because I watched a YouTube video this week, which means I know how to do stuff. And so um, I was going to rip an apple in half. And then this morning, I got freaked out that I might not be able to do it. And I didn't really want to look weaker than, let's be real, I already am. And so, um, but what I know is when you cut an apple in half, right in the middle of the apple is a bunch of seeds. Right there, right there, I can see them. And they're very, very small. So how would I actually grow an apple tree? If I wanted an apple, if I want, if I want this kind of apple, what would I do? Well, I would take a bunch of these seeds. I watched a YouTube video on this last week. And I would lay them out, and I would dry them out overnight, and then I would go to plant them in the ground, but I would do it in the fall, because that's the best time to do it. At least that's what the weird guy on the video told me to do, right? And then when you go to plant them, because this is my favorite part, you clear away the brush, and then you dig a little trench, you dig a hole for the seeds that's not too deep and not too shallow. Like... I understand three inches. I mean, I'm six foot five. Deep is deep. Like, plant it deep. I don't have time to dig that deep. You know, I don't have time to dig a hole that deep, right? And so he's like, you plant it shallow, and then, and then he goes, and then in the, you, you plant it in the fall. And in the spring, you come back, and you will have this little tiny, like, sapling thing, again, stick with a leaf. And he's like, oh, that's going to be an apple tree. I'm like, that looks like a leaf sticking out of the ground. Okay, congratulations. Where's my weed whacker? Like, I'd be ready, you know? And so, but you continue to take care of it. And here's the interesting thing. For a little tiny dwarf apple tree, in two to three years, you will get an apple from your apple tree. An apple that's like this size 
Eight to nine years until the tree is ready in order to give an apple this size. In fact, I asked the guys to find me this picture. Like, this is the life cycle of an apple tree. And I know it looks pretty elementary, but the point is it starts really, really small. And it takes time to produce. And here's the thing about fruit. When you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, you can't just go to God and say, God, give me more love. Because that's not how fruit works. So what happens is you say, God, give me more love. And then he puts situations in your life for you to show more love. If you have a child, you understand what this means. Remember the first time you, you, they put that baby in your arms and you said this word, these words, I never knew I could love something more, right? You never say less, right? Sometimes with my dog, I say that. I gotta be honest. Like, I love my dog sometimes. He's, he's, he's on an iffy thing right now. He's on iffy planes. Just long story, last night. Okay, and so, um, but this idea of fruit, like you can't, you, can't, you can't say, God, give me more love. No, God's gonna put things in your, in your path to teach you that. It's kind of like, have you ever said, God, give me more patience? By the way, worst prayer ever. Right, because you know what happens? God puts scenarios in your life where you have to show patience. That's when you get stuck on the highway. That's when you're at Giant, and they only got four cashiers, and the six ladies and six people in front of you, sorry, yeah, the six people in front of you have no idea what they're doing, and then you go to the U-checkout line, and there's 20 people in that line. I think that, ooh, okay, there should be an IQ limit before you get in the U-checkout line. Like, if you're going to be able to check yourself out, you've got to be this smart. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not claiming, I'm just like, you know. Okay, move on, sorry. Here's the thing about fruit. Are you ready? The thing about fruit is this. When you're focused on Jesus, when you're walking by the Spirit, fruit will follow. All the time. Uh, graduate, graduates, whether you graduate from high school or from college. When you're following Jesus, fruit will follow. So many people are worried about what's 10 steps ahead. No, 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 no. What's my next step? Because if my next step is focused on Jesus, then fruit's gonna follow. In fact, Jesus put it this way when he said fruit will follow. Uh, in, in John chapter, let me make sure I get this right. John 13, 35, he said, by, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples. How are people going to know that people follow Jesus? By the way you love one another. It doesn't say if you can win an argument. It doesn't say how fast you post the reply on Facebook. Sorry. Meant to step on toe, right? It doesn't, it doesn't say if you're the smartest People know you're my disciples if you're witty. No, by how you love one another. So I was praying leading up to today and asking God, God, what, what should I share about love? And I just could not get away from this one experience that happened in Jesus' life when he had the opportunity to show love that I think it would be beneficial for us. In John chapter four, Jesus has this encounter with a Samaritan woman who we don't even know her name. So in John chapter four, starting at verse four, this is what it says. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was noon. Uh, just quick, what time was it? Noon, okay. Uh, he, he lives in the Middle East. What, what happens at noon? It's hot. Okay, good. Let's just acknowledge that. It's like two weeks ago, Saturday afternoon, hot. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. All right. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse 8. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, here's what's interesting about this whole situation. Number one, we have no idea what this lady's name was, which is interesting because she makes a difference in tons of people's lives. We'll learn about that in a minute. We don't know what her name is. We know where she is. We know she's at the well. We know what time she's there. We know it's in the middle of the day, which leads us to some other questions of why is she there in the middle of the day? Because 
No one went to the well in the middle of the day at noon to draw water. No, you went in the morning when it was cooler because you had to go get water every day. We'll get back to that in a minute. And the other thing that's interesting is when Jesus got there, he, he had sent his disciples ahead into town to get food. You catch this. He sent his friends away. I want you to catch this. Whether you're in the room and you're 12 or you're 90, there are times in your life when you need to send your friends away for God to do in you what he needs to do in you. The friends didn't leave forever. They came back five verses later. The friends weren't bad. They were Jesus' disciples. Well, maybe Judas, that's on the iffy at this point, you know? But the idea is like, he sent people away and he went and he sat down and he had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Now here's what's really interesting about that. In this time, in this culture, Jews and Samaritans never talked to each other. It was the ultimate form of racism. In fact, it was so bad that if a Samaritan person, man, woman, child, whatever, touched a bowl, a Jewish person would not eat out of that bowl because a Samaritan had touched it. It's like the ultimate COVID cooties. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like we've, we've come to the point where we don't share things anymore because of germs and whatever. We're getting, we're getting better as a society. On, okay, sorry. There's a slight germophobic side of me. I'll just go on. Okay. I work with teenagers. Yeah, you know. Listen, I've lasted 25 years working with teenagers and there's a reason because I, I, I pay attention to things like germs. Okay, move on. Move on. And so his disciples, he sent his disciples away. <laughs> but here's the thing. In order to do what God is calling us to do, we have to first become who God is calling us to become. And so sometimes in our lives, we have to dismiss people to allow us the time and the freedom and the space to grow into who it is that God wants us to be, to be ready for that which God has for us. All right, we'll move on. Verse number nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would, ask, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Have you ever been in a situation where you just wish you knew how it was going to turn out? Like, you, I would be so much better if I just knew how, right? And if you're a high school student or a middle school student or a graduate or a college student, can I just tell you, that feeling never goes away. Like, there are probably 60-year-old people in our crowd today that could attest to this fact of like, you wish you knew how the next 10 years would lay out in your life. Like, you wish. You wish you could see it lay out. Because there's always this like uncertainty, right? And then you've got people that look at you and they think you're old. Let me just tell you, by the way, <laughs> I'm in my mid-40s working with teenagers. I am old. Like I'm just telling you, right? And this idea of, of sir, uh, the woman asking Jesus, if you, if you have this living water, can you give me some? And then in verse 11, she says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. How can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who, uh, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? And so she starts to ask how. And can I just tell you something? If you're taking notes, you should write this down. Are you ready? How is not our job. If you're a follower of Jesus, how is not your job. It's not. It's not. Remember what I said before. When you're following Jesus, fruit will follow. Your job is to take the next step. I don't know how it's going to work out. I tell our students all the time, if you had told me in high school that I'd be doing what I'd be doing today, I would have laughed at you and ran away. Probably scared, terrified, right? How is not our job. Our job is to take the next step that God shows us in front of us. And if we're walking by the Spirit, like Paul said in Galatians 5, and we're following Jesus and we're focused on him, fruit will follow. So Jesus walking meets this woman who ironically was there by herself at noon. Did you know something else is interesting about this woman? Uh, in this particular culture at this particular time, um, getting water was a social event. Like you would go with your friends to go get water in the mornings. And it became the social time when everyone was there. 
Which makes it even odder that this woman is there at noon and nobody's there with her. Because obviously she doesn't have any friends. And so Jesus says, I'll give you this water, you never have to thirst again. And she says, but how? How is not our job. And then in verse 15, we'll jump ahead. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't have to get thirsty and have to come here again to draw water. In other words, she's like, great, if you can give me water, then I can avoid this space altogether because this is not a place that I'm comfortable coming. And Jesus didn't tell her how. He gave her a command. Watch this in verse 16. Jesus said, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. Now, this has nothing to do with drawing water. Right? There is no scenario where this lady who has come every single day to draw water needs her husband in order to get water. Right? But he says to her, come and get your husband. And then her reply is, uh, now, now we're about to learn why she comes at noon. I have no husband, she said. Verse 17. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. Verse 18, the fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And at this point, she's like, what else does he know, right? You ever talk to someone and they know something about you? You know what I'm saying? You're like, what else? Listen, when I was a kid in high school, there was a lady in our church. Her name was Sister Emery. When Sister Emery said she wanted to talk to you, like I was convinced Sister Emery had tea with God. And so like I would like confess all my sins. You know, like I'll make sure, God, I'm making sure I'm right with you because I don't want Sister Emery to tell me. Tell me what you did. You know what I mean? I thought God told her, you know. It's kind of how I feel with Rachel Moyer, Miss Moyer, when she says hi to me, I'm always like, okay, Lord, please, okay. And so, um, my, there's a lady in our church, her name's Rachel. Rachel, if you're watching this online, I know you were here last service. Thank you so much. You pray for us every single day, and I know it, and we're so glad that you are a saint of God. And so, Jesus calls out what's true, which is why she didn't come. So let me wrap up, because I'm running a little bit close on time. Let me kind of give you the backstory of this lady. So this lady had to get there, had to get to the well. Now, the way to get to the well through the city is you'd go right through the middle of town. You'd go right through the middle of town and you'd go out to the well. That's how you would go. But see, the middle of town in this particular moment represented something to this lady because the middle of town, the center of town, was the center of like social interactions, right? Things happened at the center of town. People met at the center of town. People talked at the center of town. And people were also judged at the center of town. And so when Jesus says, you've you're right, when you say you don't have one husband, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. Let me explain what that means. In this particular time, in this particular culture, in order to get a divorce, all a man had to do was drag his wife in the middle of town, in the middle of town, and publicly in front of the entire town, let everybody know that he didn't want her anymore. That was it. Can you imagine how the center of town felt to this lady, this lady who we don't even know her name? Talk about the place of shame because not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times she was taken into the middle of town and in front of everyone was told in front of everyone, I don't want you anymore. I wonder if that morning when she went out to the well, she didn't go through the town. She kind of snuck and crept around the outside because she didn't want anybody to see her because in her mind, the center of town, the center of town represented the ultimate shame and embarrassment. But watch what happens after she has this in conversation with Jesus. She then says to Jesus, well, I see you must be a prophet. And she has this interaction with Jesus. And watch this. In verse 28, it says, Then leaving her water jar, which is a whole other thing. Like, the, your water jar is what represents the very life you can have. She leaves it behind and runs back to town. The woman went back to town and said to the people, where did she go in town if she wanted to find people? The center of town, the very place that represented her shame, the very spot that anytime she walked by, she would feel shame. And this is what she said in verse 29. Come see a man who told me everything I've ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And the Bible says in the middle of this village, she said this. And what was the result in verse 39? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came, they urged him to stay. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more believed. Watch this. Let's go back to the apple for just a second. You ready? God used the very thing in the very place that represented the ultimate shame in this lady's life to get a victory and to change 
of countless lives for Jesus. Listen, folks, that sin that Pastor Scott was talking about last week that you're struggling with, it doesn't have to hold you back anymore. It can be the very thing that God takes, puts back together, heals, mends, and then uses it to make a difference in somebody else's life. This is the idea. The idea is when we're following Jesus, fruit will follow. So if you're here in the room and you're a senior and you're graduating from high school, and I just want to say this again, and you're not sure what your future holds, it's okay. And if you're here and you're in your mid-20s and you're not sure what your future holds, or your mid-30s and you're not sure what your, I'm in my mid-40s, I don't know what my future holds. But all I know is if I just, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, walk by the Spirit. You're not fulfilled the lust of the flesh. And so if I just take a step and follow where Jesus is leading, just one step, I don't need to worry about what's 10 years from now. I just need to worry about what's next in my life. And if I can step into the very next thing God has for me, if you're following Jesus, fruit will follow. If you follow Jesus, fruit will follow. Now, we're going to switch gears and honor our graduates in a minute. But before we get there, I don't want to leave without saying Maybe you're online watching from home and you're saying, Pastor Scott, I hear what you're talking about. And, or maybe you're here in this room. Pastor Scott, I hear what you're talking about. And that center of town you talked about, I have those areas in my life. I have those areas that I really don't want to talk about. That they're really painful and shameful. If you're here and you want to talk to somebody, you'd like someone to pray with you, at the end of service today, some of our prayer team, Pastor Kerry and some of our prayer team, they're going to be across the front here. We're going to end service a little bit differently today. Normally, at this point of the service, we'd have the keyboard player come out, right? And they put a really soft pad underneath. And we'd start telling you if you'd like to stand up and get prayer. We're going to honor our graduates today. We're going to end a little bit differently. But I still, I, I don't want to miss this moment. Can I tell you something I've been learning in my life as a dad? Don't miss moments. I don't want to miss moments. I remember when my kids were little and it was Christmas time and someone had to hold the camera. I, I finally lovingly told my wife, I'm not holding the camera anymore because I don't want to miss, I don't want to watch my kid's life through the back of a camera, right? Dad tip, my daughter's graduating on Thursday night from high school. We have one ticket set aside for a friend of ours who happens to be a photographer. <laughs> I, I reached out to my friend and I said, listen, can you do me the biggest favor in the world? Can you please just come with your... Can you please come with your camera so I don't have to spend the entire time behind my phone? Because I think, see, parents, let me talk to parents for just a minute. Because I think we miss a lot of things that are happening because we're trying to capture them so that we can look back on them next week, next year. And if we're really honest, look back and realize we missed the moment because we were too busy trying to capture it. I don't want to miss moments because if you walk, because <laughs> if you follow Jesus, fruit will follow. I don't want to miss my next step because I'm too busy trying to take a picture of the last one. Now, that's not saying, please take pictures. Apparently, it, it comes up. When you have a graduation party, you need pictures. Just, that's my life the next four months. Okay, four weeks. But <clears throat> I just want to leave you with this thought today before we go. That is that that very thing that was holding you back could be the very thing that God wants to use to make a difference in the world. And I didn't share this last service. I feel impressed to share this service. God just wants you. All of you. Every, every part. The parts, that you're, the parts that you're too scared to tell your people about. You know, like when you, when you sit down and have a conversation with someone, the things that you're guarded about. Because we all have those lines, right? This far, no further. Like, I'll talk to you, but I'm not really, no. Right? God wants to use, that's the part God wants. Because when you can dig into that really deep stuff and God can redeem that stuff, that's when this starts happening. You follow Jesus and fruit just follows behind you. That's when you're like, you'll be walking and all of a sudden you'll see God will bring someone in front of you that you can, you can love. God will bring someone in your way like this woman at the well that nobody wanted to talk to, nobody wanted to have a relationship with. Everyone would be ashamed to be seen with her because they were worried about what people would say about them. 
if they were with her. I, I don't think I said this earlier, but I, I wonder if Jesus sent his disciples away because he knew they would stop him from talking to that Samaritan woman. Think about that. Sometimes we have to separate ourselves so that we can do what God wants us to do. And if you're here and if you're graduating, we are so proud of you. Um, before we get there, let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you want every part of us, even the ugly, broke down, scary, disappointing, embarrassing parts. I pray, God, you would challenge each of us, whether they're in this room or watching online, to follow you with everything that they have so that they take their next step and fruit follows. Now, God, as we honor our grads, thank you for the blessings that we as a church have been blessed with in the form of people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to honor grads, and so I'm going to ask that you, um, <clears throat> we're going to have a chance to applaud and cheer for our grads in a few minutes, but do me a favor, just hold your applause to the end. If not, we're going to be here till 3 o'clock, and I'm getting kind of hungry. So, um, so we're going to honor our graduates today. Lauren Blackwood. Lauren's graduated, Lauren graduated with a bachelor's degree in sports management from Temple University. Lauren's future plans include accepting a marketing and sales specialist position at a jeweler's in Mount Cherry, New Jersey. Max Bosch. Max graduated with a bachelor's degree in science medicine from Kutztown University. Max's plans are to complete his internship and work for a company that offers tuition reimbursement to obtain his master's degree. And everyone said, Max is smart. <laughs> Kiera Cosme, graduating from Muhlenberg Senior High School. Kiera plans, Kiera's plans include attending Northampton Community College this fall. Aston Daniel, graduated from Schuylkill Haven Area High School. Aston's plans are to attend Eastern University in the fall on a cross-country scholarship to study criminal justice. Tatiana Davila, graduating from Upper Perkiomen High School. Her plans include pursuing the police academy, law enforcement, or military. Nicole, Nicole DeWald, graduating from Daniel Boone Area High School. Nicole will be attending Arcadia University to study forensic science with a concentration in biology. Anaya Disla, who graduated from Wilson High School on Friday night. Anaya plans to pursue a teaching degree in cosmetology. Ariel Fazek, graduating from Fleetwood Area High School. Ariel plans on attending Albright College to major in music industry studies. Samantha Faust. Sam graduated with an associate's degree in the medical field from Reading Area Community College and plans on working in the medical field. Chris Galby III. Chris took advantage of virtual schooling by putting himself through real estate school. He currently passed his national test and is scheduling to take the state exam to be a real estate salesperson. He's also on track to attend the Reading Hospital School of Health Sciences for radiologic technology. Isaiah Hall, graduating, graduated Friday night from Wilson High School. Isaiah plans to become a culinary specialist in the United States military. Noel Herrera, Noel graduating from Exeter High School. Noel plans on attending Penn State Berks to obtain a degree in kinesiology. Brianna King, graduated from Wilson High School. Brianna plans on attending Kutztown University in the fall to pursue a bachelor's degree in special education. Joshua Clauser. Josh graduated from homeschool. Josh plans on taking the summer off before getting a full-time job this fall. When he's 21, he plans to attend the police academy and become a full-time sworn-in police officer. Anthony Mayan. Anthony graduated from Muhlenberg High School. He plans on attending Reading Area Community College to pursue a career in nursing. Kyla McMonagle, who is one of our worship leaders on stage this morning, she is graduating from Exeter Township High School. Kyla plans to attend Arizona State University to get her degree in early childhood education. Gavin Miller. Gavin graduated from Garden Spot High School. Gavin has enlisted in the United States Army. His report date is July 9th. I talked to him between services today. Stephanie Moyer. Stephanie graduated with a Master's of Science in Nursing degree as a women's health nurse practitioner from Drexel University. I practiced that four times. Her future plans are to continue working in our community in the field of women's health. Anya Mullen 
graduating from Fleetwood Area High School. Anya plans on attending Reading Area Community College and work in the culinary field. Isak Munoz, graduating from Connections Charter Academy. Isak plans to continue his education and to pursue an associate's degree in nursing. Mara Nagel, one of the worship leaders this morning and also my daughter. Graduating from Schuylkill Valley High School. Mara plans to attend Reading Area Community College on their president's scholarship this fall and then transfer to a four-year school. Leah Nicewender graduated with a bachelor's degree in elementary education from Messiah University. Leah plans on teaching in a local elementary school this fall. And parents, if you're lucky enough to get Leah as your kid's teacher. <sighs> Brian Pascal graduating from Berks Catholic High School. Brian plans on attending Alvernia University to study political science. Brianna Pascal, graduating from Berks Catholic High School. Brianna plans on attending Alvernia University to study biology in a pre-dental track in order to in the future become a pediatric dentist. Evie Ramirez, one of our worship leaders on stage this morning. Evie graduated from Wyomissing Area High School. Evie will be attending Gettysburg College this fall to study vocal performance and music education. Malia Rosario Freitas. She graduated from Governor Mifflin High School. Malia plans on attending Alvernia University to study sports medicine. Spencer Smith, graduating from Hamburg High School. Spencer went to BCTC for early childhood education and plans to further his education in that field. Jonathan Worley, graduating from Schuylkill Valley High School. John will be attending Fairfield University to double major in finance and economics this fall. Sage Westman. Sage graduated from Gannon University with a bachelor's degree in health science and plans to attend Gannon for one more year of grad school to obtain her master's degree in occupational therapy. Brendan Torres graduated from Reading Area Community College. Brendan will be attending Kutztown University this fall to major in cinema television and media productions. One of the things that strikes me as I read through these names is I get more and more excited the more and more I read about what our graduates are going to do. Listen, friends, our church is in good hands in the future. I, did you not hear, like, law enforcement, military, uh, nurses, doctors, dentists, teachers, like, cinematography, occupational therapy like I am so proud of our students here at GT Church and so now as Pastor Scott Kramer comes to pray over our graduates would you help me honor the class of 2022 thank you Scott thank you church you know I yeah you can stand go ahead and stand and then you're gonna sit in a minute but I love that we take this is your standing ovation for the grads. Go ahead. Yeah, let's do it. All right, now everybody have a seat. I love that we take a day every year at GT and both celebrate and honor the next generation, right? This is a big deal that we just take a moment. You know, Scott said just a minute ago, like, that we need to... to embrace the moments, to recognize the moments, to not miss the moments. And this is a moment in the life of a church when we celebrate, honor, and affirm the next generation. And this is important for us. And so I appreciate this church. Thank you to Pastor Scott, Pastor Luke, Pastor Brandon for the way that they invest in our young people. Week in and week out, they make a difference and help us as parents raise our kids and teach them about Christ. Thank you to all of them, uh, I'm so grateful for our student ministry and all of the students here, not just graduates, so grateful for them. But I want to have our graduates stand right now. If you graduated high school or college or some other uh, postgraduate degree, whatever, I want you to stand right where you're sitting. Just stand up right now. Go ahead, yeah. And I want you to stay on your feet just for a, a couple of minutes here. Um, and uh, again, we apologize if we didn't get your information and weren't able to celebrate you here but in the, in the screen, but we celebrate you now. 
And I want to pray over you in just a second, but I, I wrote down some prayers that I have for you today. You know, each of you is entering a new chapter in your life. Um, I don't know what that chapter looks like, and in many ways, you don't either. You, you have a picture of what you think it might look like, but only God knows, as Pastor Scott said. And, and I want to pray for you, but there's a couple of things that I think are important for you as you enter this new season that I want to pray over you. I won't have a chance to pray all of these things over you, but I want to, I want to read these to you in, in some sort of a prophetic sense that these would be true in your life as you enter this next season. Here are the prayers that I, I pray for our graduates today. I pray that you keep Jesus first in every area of your life. First and foremost, that you keep Christ first in all areas of your life. I pray that you keep yourself pure. That won't be anyone else's responsibility but yours to keep yourself pure. I pray that you choose your friends wisely. The Proverbs say, he who walks with the wise grows wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. And so I pray that you, in this next chapter, if you're going to a college campus, if you're going to get a job, that you would choose your friends with great wisdom and care. I pray that you learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit in every dimension of your life. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that you learn how to be a Spirit-led Christian and follower of Jesus. I pray then that with the help of the Holy Spirit, that you discover your God-given purpose in life. You may have a picture again of what your life holds in the future, but I pray that you would discover God's purpose for your life. And maybe the two of them align. Maybe what you picture now isn't the ultimate plan that God has, but it's one of the steps that he has for you to arrive at his destination of his will. I pray that God releases his kingdom purpose on you to impact others for Christ. Regardless of what career path you are thinking about, the will of God is that he would release his kingdom in and through you to impact other people for Jesus Christ. I pray that God continuously reveals a bigger picture of himself than you currently have. I pray that you're never small-minded in how you view God and that God would continuously reveal himself to you in magnificent ways. And then the last prayer I have for you, and then we will pray, comes from Ephesians 3.20. And it says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to his power that works in us. And I pray today that God would do, as the NIV says, immeasurably all that you can ask or imagine according to his power that is work within you. And so my prayer is all of these above. And one more group of people I want to have stand, and then I'm going to pray. If you are the parents or guardian or grandparent or family of one of these graduates, would you stand to your feet right now? Come on, parents. Come on, grandparents. Stand up right now. I know this. You as parents have already been praying for your kids in their next season. Am I right, parents? Like, you've been praying for weeks, years, months, whatever it is, like decades, some of you have been praying about this day, knowing that you're releasing your kids into the world and believing that God will keep your children to himself, right? That God will keep them and help them walk according to the ways of God and stay pure in this world. And so I'm going to Today, I'm going to join my prayers with the prayers of these parents and grandparents who have been praying for their kids for many, many years. So, church family, reach out a hand towards somebody, one of these uh, graduates. If you're near them, just put a hand on their shoulder gently, and we're going to believe God for his hand on their lives together today. Let's pray. Father, it is an absolute joy today to affirm and celebrate these graduates, this next generation of world changers that you're raising up in this church and churches all across this country, God. And today, Lord, at GT Church, we celebrate these graduates, graduates, God, and we pray that the hand of God would be upon them in mighty ways, that, God, your presence would be tangible in their lives. 
God, that you would cause them to walk in purity and wholeness. That you would lead them by your spirits in every decision they make. That you would help them to put Christ first in all of their decisions, in all of their lives. That you, God, according to Ephesians 3.20, would do exceedingly and abundantly above all that they can ask or think according to your power that is at work within them. So, Father, today, on this Sunday, we pray the blessing and the favor and the goodness of God on every one of these graduates of high school and college, that you would go before them, that you would guide their steps, that they would be led of you, and that they would know that they know that they know that the hand of God and the favor of God is on their lives to change the world for Jesus Christ. So bless them today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, one more round of applause for our graduates today. Graduates, we have a gift for you. Uh, if you'll make sure that you stop by the courtyard area on your way out of service today, they've got our student men has a gift for you today on your way out. So make sure you do that and stop by. And then I want to remind you again about tonight, right here in this room at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a celebration of Pentecost, as Pastor Luke said earlier. Uh, before the offering, this is Pentecost Sunday. So we're going to gather tonight for worship uh, for a brief word that I'll bring. And then we're going to just kind of Spend time in God's presence and believe that God will fill everyone with his spirit tonight and believe that God will make up the difference in all of our lives. Whatever's lacking in your life, I'm believing God that he's going to fill it tonight. So let's stand and we're going to dismiss the service in prayer. Again, as, as they said earlier too, if you have a need or if you need prayer, we have altar workers and prayer team members who are ready to pray with you. And so as we dismiss and people walk that way, if you have a need and want prayer, you just come this way and our prayer team would love to pray with you after I close. Let's pray. God, today again, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for the, the freedom that we have to gather, to celebrate, and to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I pray, God, that you would now bless each person in this room. Those who joined us online, let your blessing and your favor fill their lives as they serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, church family. Thanks for coming today. We'll see you next week. See you tonight.